Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Insightful Thinkers podcast. I was having a conversation with some friends the other day about different political ideologies, and socialism came up in the conversation. And it's an ideology that I don't think is fully understood, whether it's by people who demonize it fully or by people who think it is going to be the saving grace of of social life and is going to save us from the pernicious effects of the capitalist system that we've come to know so well. So I think it has to, it's uh, something that has to be a little better understood. And I didn't fully understand socialism until I read sufficiently about it in preparation for this episode. So um, there's a lot of really things that when you look at their ideals, it does seem like it could be beneficial. And there are a lot of things in there that critics say could uh, make it just as pernicious as capitalism. So that's kind of what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about the cases for and cases against socialism. The primary source for this episode was Pablo and O'Neill's Socialism. It's just an article from the Stanford Encyclopedia of Philosophy. So socialism is both an economic system and an ideology. Economically, it's a system with social rather than private ownership of the means of production. The means of production produce all the goods and services in an economy. So land, labor, capital, and entrepreneurship are the are these means of production. Um, in terms of an ideology, socialism asserts the moral and economic superiority of an economy with these features, especially as compared with capitalism. What you'll find in the socialist writings and in the theory is that you can hardly really define it without talking about how it opposes capitalism and that's what we're going to talk about now it's really best defined as a contrast with capitalism capitalism let's talk about some of the main facts of that so we can contrast it with socialism so with capitalism the bulk of the means of production is privately owned and controlled in contrast, everything is publicly owned in socialism. Capitalism allows individual choices in a free market to determine how goods and services are distributed, whereas socialism distributes goods and services through centralized economic planning that is independent of individual choices. Socialism kind of seeks to have more of almost like a government control over what is produced in the society. And we're going to talk about this a little later, but capitalism, it just allows the free market to determine what is created, what is supplied. It allows natural demand to arise and then natural supply to arise to appease this demand. And some things are going to be produced that have no demand for them. And then those private businesses may go out of business and they have to create different things. It's all a free market with capitalism, but in socialism, it is a plan. It's an economic plan that goes in place to determine what is produced in society. In capitalism, people legally own their labor power. Whereas in socialism, there's not the same direct correlation between what you work for and what you get. Everything is more shared among the commune. So, there's no, uh, you can create your own business, own your own business, own your own land, own all of your own things because of the work you put in. Everything is more communal. It's more shared. So there's not a direct correlation between your labor power and then what you get to privately own. 
In capitalism, markets are the main mechanism allocating inputs and outputs of production and determine how these products are consumed or invested. So again, capitalism has nothing to do with government control. And of course, there is a little bit of government control and there's a government stimulus for different areas and things like this, but overall, it's still a free market that is in place. Whereas socialists see it differently as they see it. True freedom and equality requires governmental control of the resources that provide the basis for prosperity in the society. Socialists, again, don't just want this free market to play out and kind of see what happens. They want to really put in place plans to determine what is produced in a society. And they think that's what's going to create prosperity. In capitalism, production is primarily oriented to capital accumulation. So whatever is produced is it's oriented to gain <clears throat> profit, which is this capital accumulation. This is capitalism. Socialism, on the other hand, gears production towards needs satisfaction rather than profit accumulation. So again, with this central planning that the government does in socialism, it plans to create jobs that are going to produce things that are needed by society. So they determine kind of what is needed. There's this so much more control on the government's part. And then that determines what's going to be produced. It has nothing to do with supply and demand or producing stuff to gain profit. Finally, the last fact about capitalism that will give us insight into what socialism is in capitalism. There is a class division between workers that shapes the labor market. In socialism, there's no class system. In socialism, to dispel class distinctions, it turns over industry control to the government, as I've been talking about. This is the thought that a harmonious society could be produced if we have no oppression and we have no financial instability. If everything's planned out, then hopefully there's going to be some more stability here and there's going to be there's not going to be such class distinction. Um, socialists really believe that capitalism causes oppression of the lower class and they have a point as we've, we've come to know so well. And if, uh, any listeners are, well, I'm sure most listeners are living in a capitalist system and you know, so well that there is income disparity and people think socialism is, is the, I guess, panacea to this income disparity in any system. But again, we'll talk, we'll talk later about how maybe this might not be the case, even though socialism idealizes this um, lack of a class system and everyone being on the same level, it doesn't necessarily create that in practice, but that's kind of how it differs from capitalism. They, there's no class system that could be created theoretically using socialism. Socialists believe that Due to the competitive nature of capitalism, the wealthy minority maintains control of industry, and this drives down wages and opportunities for the working class. And the working class, as you know, is the majority of the population typically. But with capitalism, there's so much incentive to drive wages low, and the control there's no real control over this industry because it's it's pure competition. So due to this competition, companies have the incentive to lower wages and, and socialists believe that this really creates a severe distinction between the lower class and the upper class. And they, they do have a good point with this. So let's talk about the ideals that socialists have. These are, when you read, if you just read this, you'll, you might even say, Oh, I'm going to, I want to become a socialist 
right right now because these ideals do sound pretty great in theory and here they are so the first one is equality and it's that everyone should have broadly equal access to the necessary material and social means to live flourishing lives the second one is democracy everyone should have broadly equal access to the necessary means to participate in decisions that are affecting their lives just great principles already here then we have self-realization everyone should have the ability to choose activities anonymously and to exercise one's own creative and productive capacities in cooperation with others note how they how they add this in cooperation with others and in capitalism this perhaps wouldn't be there it would just be everyone should have the ability to choose activities anonymously and to exercise one's own creative and productive capacities and that would be it because it's more of an individualistic system whereas socialism it's more to do with the community and anything you do create it's going to be in cooperation with others it's the, there's more of a focus on the community rather than the individual but despite that they still do have the ideal of individual freedom and it's that everyone should have security from inappropriate interference by others and should be able to develop one's own projects and bring them to fruition finally we have this aforementioned community people should treat the well-being of others as significant People should recognize positive duties to support other people. And people should not only advance their own good, but also act with and for others. These sound like some great ideals. And the, these ideals kind of are what create the socialists' charges against the capitalist system. Um, based on what they think, they think that capitalism violates all of their ideals so let's talk about how socialists argue that capitalism violates these ideals because socialists think that capitalism features exploitation domination alienation efficiency and inequality let's talk about all these things about how from a socialist perspective capitalism is ruinous in all of these ways socialists think capitalism causes exploitation exploitation involves taking unfair wrongful or unjust advantage of the productive effort of others so socialists feel workers are exploited by the capitalist system since to maximize profits from the sales of what workers produce capitalists have an incentive to keep wages low and we've talked about this it's just that although they're not I guess being exploited to the max they're not working for free no one's working for free in a capitalist system but think about all the people working for minimum wage in the united states minimum wage i don't actually know the figure but i believe it's under ten dollars an hour still and i mean the amount it's, it just creates poverty you can't live off that and you know, working 40 hours a week it's very difficult to live off of a wage that low that doesn't happen in socialism there's not a wage like this and there's no incentive to reduce wages and things like this because there's no competition to to need to do this and to outproduce other people and, and things like this so socialists don't like this aspect of competition they think it in, in results in exploitation they really don't like how the capitalist system does whatever it can to create the lowest possible wage for workers and uses workers to create larger personal profits that just end up in the hands of the powerful rich minority and we see this today this income disparity where by exploiting your workers the more you can exploit your workers and the less you can pay them the more money that goes into your hands and it's just this dog-eat-dog -dog competition that socialists don't approve of and that's the first charge they make on capitalism is that it's exploitative
They also think capitalism causes unnecessary interference and domination. Socialists point out that capitalist property rights involve interference since private property by one person presupposes non-ownership on the part of other people. This is kind of counterintuitive because from a capitalist standpoint, you might say, hey, if I can own private property, then I'm exercising, I'm experiencing the most freedom I can have because I can privately own things. But socialists point out a flaw in the system because just by way of one person privately owning an area, it eliminates the ability for that area to be owned by other people or not just area or company or different things like this. Socialists want to share the wealth. They want everyone to get a stake in these things. They believe that this private ownership of things inherently causes interference, not to you. To you, it might feel great in this individualistic system if you're well off, but it causes interference to the majority. And that's what uh, that's the charge they make against them. Through labor-saving technical innovations spurred by competition, capitalism also constantly produces unemployment, which weakens the bargaining power of the individual workers further. So here again, you see more of a domination that could happen in capitalism when unemployment happens. There's, not, there's none of this unemployment in socialism. Everyone is going to be working through the planned economy. So through unemployment, now there's even less bargaining power and there's even less there's more domination of the wealthy class over the lower class. Finally, due to their lack of control of the means of production in the capitalist system, workers must largely submit on pain of starvation or severe poverty to the terms capitalists offer them. So because there is this, um, there's no control over the means of production. So what, what happens is that, um, the competitive forces just make companies, again, kind of enforce these low wages and things like this. And workers have no real choice than to labor away for full-time hours and because, or else they'll, they'll face starvation or severe poverty. And they just have to accept the terms that company offers them, really. There's none of this in socialism. There's no fear of poverty, fear of starvation. Everyone gets a piece of the pie. So overall, this is how socialists feel. Socialists feel as if capitalism causes interference and domination of the common individual in society, not of the people up top. The people up top do a lot better in capitalist systems because you can get so high. There can be such a disparity. And those are the people who would never become socialists because they don't want everyone to get a piece of the pie. They've gotten the whole pie for themselves. Why should they need to share that? Their labor has paid off and gotten them uh, in a great spot. But socialism feels as if there's a bigger, there's a bigger issue at stake. It's the majority. So how can we help the majority? And, and that's what they want to do. They want to create more of a control so everyone gets a piece of the pie. Socialists also charge capitalism with alienation. And alienation is the experience of being isolated from a group or an activity to which one should belong or in which one should be involved. So what is really happening is that workers in the capitalist system make relations with others, not of fellowship, but of domination. This domination is happening under their bosses and of competition with their fellow workers. This doesn't bring people together. It alienates them. It separates people. Socialism wants to bring people together a little more. Karl Marx, um, who 
now his version of socialism is known as Marxian socialism. He says, when alienated, labor is external to the worker, so it does not belong to his essential being. In his work, therefore, he does not affirm himself, but denies himself. He does not feel content, but unhappy, does not develop freely in his physical mental energy, but mortifies his body and ruins his mind. So socialists believe as if capitalism separates people because of this competitive nature of it. Socialists want to bring people together. Then socialists also claim that there's a lot of inefficiency in the capitalist system. And this is because capitalism doesn't guarantee a chance of work like socialism does. So because of this, idle workers can just be created. And these are just, these are able-bodied people who are willing to work uh, but they can't even find an outlet for the productivity they want to put out. And socialists say this is such a waste and it would not exist under socialism or so it is claimed that people, able-bodied people who are willing to work can't find a job. There's always going to be a job. There's always going to be something you can bring to the table essentially and be a part of this community who's all kind of striving to produce things that are seen to be necessary for the economy to thrive. Finally, the, this is the final charge that socialists make of the capitalist system. Capitalist economies, they feel, have a lot of inequality. And it's not just them who feel that. Even people who may subscribe to the capitalist system may feel as well. Capitalist economies tend towards higher levels of inequality. And we see this today with the rapid velocity at which the incomes and the wealth of the very rich in society is increasing with poor incomes just stagnating. You see, during the pandemic, the big CEOs, the big owners of these companies, because the stock market is thriving, their net worth is going up by billions of dollars. And because of the, the government stimulus that they've put to these American companies and things like this. But the common person is out of work, is is seriously in 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 dire straits so the incomes of the wealth the wealthy and the rich they're just skyrocketing even during a global pandemic but the common man the common woman common whoever is just stagnating in terms of the the wealth they're, they're able to gain and this is what they um detest in the capitalist economy socialists it's this income inequality by spreading the wealth in a controlled way under socialist policies they believe inequality would be reduced um and it only makes sense but this brings us to the disadvantages of socialism um turn it off now if you <laughs> you don't want to hear the the other side of things and you fully subscribe to the socialist perspective that's great because there are a lot of great things about it and it's great if you do subscribe to that but we have to understand that not all of these ideals necessarily work out. And why don't they work out? Well, the first disadvantage or possible disadvantage of socialism is that there's going to be an overall lack of prosperity. So even though there is a lot of income inequality with the capitalist system, in a socialist system, it seems that overall, there's just not going to be a lot of prosperity among anybody. According to the economist Hans Hermann Hope, Countries where the means of production are socialized are not as prosperous as those where the means of production are under private control. These are just these are just uh, economic economists, and it, it's not just Herman Hope. These these individuals have done these these studies, these 
they've researched the fact that under private control, there's actually it's going to be more prosperous than the economy is going to be more prosperous than when the means of production are under under public uh, control and everyone gets a piece of it. Other econo- economists, such as Friedrich Hayek and Ludwig von Mises, share this sentiment. They argue that the elimination of private ownership of the means of production would inevitably create worse economic outcomes for the general population than those that would be found in market economies. So we can point a finger all we want on how bad this income inequality is, but these ec- economists point out that it actually, for the for the larger population, it would actually create worse economic conditions. Von Mises argued that aiming for more equal incomes through state intervention leads to a reduction in national income and therefore average income. Critics argue that state ownership and centralization of capital lacks hard budget constraints as well, and this also reduces the overall economic welfare of society. So think of it in this way. So when in a socialist system, there, the central planning of the government is going to determine what, what the means of production are, what's going to be created, what's going to be produced according to everyone's needs. But there's not necessarily a budget for producing these things. If they deem something to be necessary, they're just going to keep producing it regardless of supply and demand. So because there's no budget constraint, there's going to be reduced economic welfare for society, according to these critics. With capitalism, you, although it is cutthroat, it gives you this influence to, to cut costs, to make sure everything is efficient and things like this so that things can pre- be produced exactly in an efficient way. So overall, critics, their first case against socialism is that it would actually reduce overall prosperity of a nation due to unnecessary control of the economy. Capitalists just say, let the economy be free, let it flow, um, at least to a higher extent than this this full economic control, and that is actually going to increase the prosperity of a nation. And you can't fully condemn capitalism because look where it's got some of the greatest societies in the world. It's taken us to extreme heights, extreme innovation. This, a lot of the, well, this wasn't through a socialist system. This was through the capitalist system. And critics say that don't be so quick to jump into this communal, publicly owned stuff. This actually may reduce overall prosperity of a nation. Capitalists also say about socialism is that there's a lack of incentives so critics of socialism have argued that in a society where everybody holds equal wealth, there can be no excuse me, no incentive to work because one does not receive rewards for a job well done. They further argue that the incentives capitalism provides increases productivity for all people and the loss of these incentives would just lead to stagnation. People for instance who have intelligence and wealth, they'll lose their desire to make their businesses become even bigger and more powerful since they don't directly reap their own rewards. There's no reward for competing with others and being cutthroat and things like this. And you're not going to have the incentive to grow and to innovate like the innovation we've seen in society due to this capitalist cutthroat system. That incentive will go away under a socialist system is what critics say. So critics of socialism, they're just arguing that income sharing reduces the individual incentive to work. If you can directly reap your own rewards, you're not going to want to work as much. 
So they think that incomes should be individualized as much as possible. And that's what you see today. You work for your eight hours, you make whatever you make. The money goes to you. Yes, there's a little bit of tax and whatever, but the money is yours. You can buy whatever you want with it. That's capitalism. Next, the capitalists say about socialism is that it's unfeasible to plan the economy to the extent that socialists want to. There's something called the economic calculation problem. And this is the impossibility of a socialist government to make the economic calculations required to organize a complex economy. Critics argue that socialist systems based on economic planning are unfeasible because they lack the information to perform economic calculations in the first place due to a lack of price signals and a free price system, which they argue are required for rational economic calculation. So they believe that socialists sabotage themselves because they want to do all this government planning and we're going to figure out what's going to be produced in our society and it's all going to be great. But the only way you can correctly plan such a complex thing, such as an economy like that, is if you have a market in the first place to study and there are price signals and a, and a, a free price system in place to understand before you go out and try to plan the economy. So by not having those things, how are you supposed to be able to plan the economy? So it's a, they believe socialists have a totally backwards and it's impossible for them to just think they're able to plan out an economy without having a free market in the first place that they're so against. So they're self-sabotaging is what they think. Slavanka Draculic claims that socialism fails to produce the basic consumer goods that its people desire. If a state-owned industry is able to keep operating with losses, it may continue operating indefinitely, producing things that are not in high consumer demand. This prevents resources, like capital and labor, from being applied to satisfying more urgent consumer demands. So it's this the same idea of this economic calculation problem. You choose what's going to be produced, but this might not even actually be what the people desire. And you're going to keep going on this road and you're going to keep operating with constant losses because there's no, it's, it's all government funded and things like this, all of these programs. And you're just going to keep going on and on with this plan and continue operating indefinitely to produce things that the people don't even want because there's none of this supply and demand. It's purely due to planning. So just the idea that the government can't possibly predict what a consumer wants. So how can it think that it, it should be in control of creating these plans of the economy? According to the economist Milton Friedman, if an entrepreneur's project doesn't work, he closes it down. If it had been a government project, it would have been expanded, though, because there is not the discipline of the profit and loss element. Milton Friedman, proponent of this, this free market, and excuse me if I get any of these details um, not wrong. I'm not an expert on, certainly not on uh, the economy and things like this, but Milton Friedman is a legendary economist, among other things, and he talks about the capitalist system and how in a competitive environment, if you're an entrepreneur, if your project isn't working, you just shut it down and <laughs> you have the choice to do that and things like this. But if the government is in control of creating these products, they might just expand it and say, oh, it's not working. Let's make it even bigger. Let's put more resources into this and let's get more people producing these things. 
because there's no discipline of this profit and loss element. There's no, it's just the idea that you can't possibly take all these matters into your own hands without kind of these incentives and these profit and loss incentives guiding you. There's no profit and loss component in a socialist economy. As the economist and philosopher, another legendary one, Friedrich Hayek puts it, our freedom of choice in a competitive society rests on the fact that if one person refuses to satisfy our wishes, we can turn to another. But if we faced a, a monopolist government, we are at his absolute mercy. And the absolute mercy of this monopolist government is whatever the government wants to produce. That's what you get. That's what happens in the socialist system. But in the capitalist system, you just have the freedom of choice of it, it's such a competitive society that if, if you're offering some toothpaste for $20, I don't even need to turn to you. I can just go grab it for $1 at, at the store that I want. So that's the competitive nature that allows the economy to be generated and then prices get lower. And there's a competitive nature that stimulates this economy. But when the government is in control of toothpaste, that's how much it is, or this and that, you don't really have any freedom to decide. So capitalism, demand motivates businesses to create a supply that can be sold. But in socialism, supply depends on if it gets included in the agreed upon societal budget, per se, I say in air quotes, because the government creates like a budget of society. We have to budget our workers so they can create a certain amount of, of, of this type of produce and they create this means of production and it supply, whatever is supplied into daily life just depends on if that um, was planned out to be produced by the government. But capitalism, it has nothing to do with this planning. People can just create things and then create a supply and then people might have a demand for that as well. But socialists, they want to plan out and they envision not even what, they think there's going to be a demand for, they envision what there's going to be a need for. And this need that they think everyone may need, it might not even apply to different populations like minorities. There's just discussion about how socialism may actually affect minorities and things like this, because you can't possibly plan out what everyone in the population needs. So essentially, critics believe that it's impossible to make accurate long-term predictions for highly complex systems like an economy. It's better just to let a free market drive the economy and for lack of a better term, just see what happens. And it's been working fairly well so far um, is what they say. Next, they say that socialism would cause erosion of individual diversity and freedoms. Some philosophers have argued that it erodes away these diversities and freedoms of an equal society. Um, because it would take a lot of strong coer coercion, excuse me, to make people want to participate in a socialist system where you, what you work for isn't even all yours. They argue that it's against our natural pension not to be in competition and to seek power and superiority, even to small extents. Everyone wants to level up and that seems to be our nature is what they're saying. They don't want it so that everyone's on the same level. And maybe for the poor and the downtrodden, this might be better because they get a little boost. But for the people who are more competitive and cutthroat, socialism is the worst possible thing for them um, because capitalists feel as if it's in our nature to be competitive and to want to achieve power and superiority over others, 
to small extents for most people, but to large extents for others. Winston Churchill himself claimed that socialism requires totalitarian methods, including a political police, in order to achieve its goals. They just argue that it's so difficult for people to really be convinced that what you work for, it's not all yours. And it's it's all it's such a shared communal thing. So they think that it's going to take such coercion for this to happen. And because of this coercion, this reduces individual diversity and freedoms. Connor Friedersdorf points out that unpopular racial, ethnic, or religious minorities could be at severe risk in a government that controls the economy, excuse me, since their personal and social lives would be far more under the control of the political majority than it is today. It's like I was talking about where if the government controls what's going to be produced and they they control what's going to be produced so that it adheres to what they think the needs of society are going to be. What about the racial minorities? What about the ethnic minorities? What about the religious minorities? They could be at serious risk because the government controls what's going to be produced. So they may not uh, get as equal access to certain programs, to certain products that they might use a lot. But in a capitalist system, if someone has the idea, oh, this minority likes this product, I can just create this. And there might even be a demand for that. So there are things that capitalists point out um, might escape the planning of the government that socialists want to do. And that's not going to be good for the minorities. Finally, the or I guess, the, yeah, the, the real big last thing here that capitalists charge against socialism is they think there's going to be an increased chance of corruption. Some critics of socialism have argued that in a socialist state, the leadership will either become corrupted or be replaced by corrupt people. And this would prevent the ideals of socialism from being realized. If you can remember at near the start of the episode when we read out those quite incredible ideals where everything so, seems so peaceful and free and utopic really um but because the government now has more control with socialism and they're in charge of planning these economies they might be more likely to be corrupted by power because and this would actually prevent those socialist ideals from being realized in the first place it's lord acton's aphorism that power tends to corrupt and this has been used by critics of socialism to argue that the leadership of a socialist state would be more susceptible to corruption than others because a socialist state has a broader scope than other states. Because a socialist state or government has more power than perhaps the capitalist government, now this power might cause corruption. And you've seen this happen when um, in Russia, for instance, although they the communists claimed they were using socialist practices. You saw the famines that happened there. You saw the tragedies that happened there when the government um, got on a little bit, became power hungry and got on a power trip because they have so much control over everything that happens in the economy that can cause corruption. And it has caused corruption in history. Milton Friedman again, argued that the absence of private economic activity would enable political leaders to grant themselves coercive powers. So, though the ideals, you guys, of socialism sound quite enticing, it does have its potential pitfalls when you consider that the people in power may not be so keen to act morally once they're given such a broad scope of power. Perhaps it could be that the more power you get, the more corrupt you are. So, 
socialism, people argue, puts too much power in the hands of the government, and this could cause corruption. Some other disadvantages that couldn't find much detail on, but just the idea that socialism could cause some slow economic growth and slow technological advancement as well, perhaps just due to this lack of competition, lack of people wanting to innovate because they may not reap their rewards fully. And also there could be less entrepreneurial opportunity and competition. So there's just going to be some stagnation, they believe. When the government plans out these systems, these systems may become archaic. And there may be new things that are on the horizons and new technologies that other countries might be creating, whereas the socialists have their planned economy and yeah, it might be working well, but where's the innovation there? Who's going to be motivated to innovate? That's just about it for today, everybody. And I think what I walk away with is that really perhaps no political system will have answers to all our issues. And I think we're really just better served from outrightly claiming one ideology could possibly have all the answers, whether it's socialism, whether it's capitalism. Um, I, I think some people are, there's a bit of a tribalism there of people saying, oh, it needs to be this way, but they don't consider the other facts. And these types of people did stop the episode, right? As I, as I warned them when I was going to go into the, some of the pitfalls of socialism as well, but just like there are pitfalls, there are also some great benefits too. And, uh, the charges that socialists make against capitalism do make a lot of sense because you see that economic disparity is what comes to mind of just how the billionaires are getting richer and richer and the most of the population is severely struggling or maybe not most but a lot of the population is severely struggling and that is serious inequality that a capitalist system has produced and that's not ideal um but it doesn't mean we just need to say, oh, we got to dismantle the soul system and jump all the way over here. Um, but it doesn't mean we also can't make changes too. So I just, yeah, I like, I enjoyed being able to see this from an objective lens, hopefully. Um, and perhaps I'm not even the most objective one because I have not lived in a socialist system and I don't know so much about it, but it was interesting reading both sides of the arguments. Um, I've heard counterpoints to, to both sides, I've heard the points by both sides, counterpoints by both sides, and um, we may need to do another episode in the future about how maybe more benefits of socialism, maybe how socialism could perhaps target this income inequality that I see as such a major problem, and uh, maybe we'll do that next week. But either way, you guys, thank you so much for tuning in to this episode. We are growing our community through word of mouth, as I've been saying, so if you liked it, please share it with one or two of your friends who are also interested politics who you've had a debate with possibly in the past or uh our fanatics for perhaps a certain economic system maybe this will um at least uh, ex expand their perspective on it please subscribe as well or follow on whatever platform you listen on and leave a star rating or a review on apple Podcasts or a like on youtube also share your own ideas through the youtube comments section the connect page on the website or through social media. And if you want to join our monthly ITP video conference call, where we come together every month to analyze topics together, you can support the podcast on Patreon. Whatever you guys need to support, listening and watching is always plenty. Thank you so much for tuning into the Insightful Thinkers podcast, everybody. We'll be back next Monday, as always, for more in-depth analysis into a diverse set of topics. Take care, everybody. <laughs>